All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, So first off, apologies. I like to do a weekend recap and then a preview of the midweek game. Texas Tech is on a three-game losing streak. I have been moving my apartment all weekend, just got done, and then also yesterday got an email that we were changing our CEOs at our company after 30 years. So I've been preoccupied with all of that, but we are back. We have a lot to talk about from the previous two games. And you know what? Since we didn't do two this week, I know I'm only obligated to do one, but since we didn't do two, we're going to go have... Gee, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. We're going to go ahead and have a night and talk about a lot of stuff. So we're going to talk about the Cincinnati game. We'll start off with the Baylor game. Then we'll go to Cincinnati and we'll talk about some Baylor chants during the game and why they are the last school that should be chanting against Pop Isaacs. 17, 17. That's the age of consent, you idiots. How about 52, the number of women raped? That were systematically covered up by Baylor. That you chose to go to their school. But now you want to go chant about a civil lawsuit. That's he said, she said with no evidence. We'll talk about all that. And we'll talk about the rest of the way for Texas Tech. Really gutsy performance tonight. Came up short. Let's go ahead and talk about it. So let's start with the game tonight. Let's start with Baylor. Uh, There were some positives from this game. To to be quite honest with y'all. I thought this team fought really hard. Look, they were just completely outdone on the boards. 11 offensive boards for Baylor to year four, which, by the way, only minus seven on the offensive boards after they had six offensive boards in the first five minutes of this game. I do think that is kind of impressive. And I thought that there were some things with the lineup that you inserted in there that helped you out. Some takeaways. There was some sloppy plays in this game. There was. Uh, you didn't shoot the ball great. You were 49% from the field, 41% from three. There was one. Um, by the way, Grant McCasson, out of timeouts is really good. You had a really good chance to get back into this game kind of late on in the second half. Chance McMillan had that three where he had that pump fake and just missed the shot. Kerwin Walton early in the first half missed a wide open three. And now, not to say that doesn't happen, not blaming those guys at all. That does happen in the game of basketball. But I thought you drew up some really nice plays. And what you needed to win today just didn't quite fall for you. And and, and that's how basketball goes. The officiating, my God, the officiating was terrible. I I mean, look, we got to start an NIL fund for paying that $25,000 fine for criticizing the officials because Baylor just paid it. They got all the calls today. Apparently, we really need to do that because that's what gets you the calls in Big 12 play. But one bright spot, Joe Toussaint, 18 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 7 of 8 from the free throw stripe. He was really good drawing uh, contact. There was a few times going not quite all the way to the rim, but pretty down low. That he would get them to pump fake, then just jump into them. He got a four-point play for you. He was really good today. Um, that's one thing that I, I wish I would have done the Cincinnati one if I wasn't moving. But he uh, he struggled for you. He struggled against Houston. He struggled against BYU. 
He struggled for 30 min- 35 minutes against Oklahoma, turned it on the last five, and then he struggled against TCU, struggled against Cincinnati, and then he really turned it on for you today. He really turned it on. I think he got some confidence. It shows that, okay, it's not just the Big 12 competition that's getting to him. He just went through a slump. Uh, it's, he's going to be really interesting to watch against UCF and Kansas coming up. And then Darian Williams, 17 points for you. He's not averaging a ton of points, 6 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. With Warren Washington out, you really ran more of the offense through Darian. I thought he was impressive. Chance McMillan also got 15 for you. Pop Isaacs. Uh, so this is kind of both games combined. And I'm going to preface this by Cincinnati. He... Um, he was sick for Cincinnati, and the thing that if you're listening to that ESPN Plus broadcast like I was, they're talking about how, oh, he needs a hug. Oh, you need to be a leader and be in there. He, he was sick. This guy had, a, had the flu. He played through it. He got 11 points for you, and one thing with Pop Isaacs that we saw in these last two games, he has transformed his game. He really has. Take these last two games out of it. Just focus on the first seven games of Big 12 play. Freshman Pop Isaacs would take some spectacular shots, make some spectacular shots, and then have some real freshman moments. And that's what you've seen in these last two games from him. It has been freshman Pop Isaacs, which isn't terrible, isn't unplayable. He still fights hard. He gets some boards. uh, But it hasn't been the sophomore Pop Isaacs that we saw the first seven games, where He's confident. He can distribute. And I don't think he's a great passer, but he was getting too aggressive against Cincinnati with his passes. He can distribute. He takes smarter shots. He can drive. He can hit floaters. He's really a three-dimensional player. This one, you didn't quite see it in the, this past week uh, with from Paul Isaacs. You saw the freshman version, and that happens sometimes. Kerwin Walton, he had seven. Kyron Lindsey got in the lineup, got 12 minutes for you today. I thought he was good defensively. He wasn't great offensively. I think maybe Missy in the middle uh, intimidated him some. He got two points. Robert Jennings. And we're going to go back for a couple minutes about the game in Cincinnati, or in Lubbock against Cincinnati. He was really good against Cincinnati. He, um, offensively at least, he struggled really badly today. He was terrible, quite honestly. He missed a bunch of shots. Um, I think Missy intimidated him. He got 60 minutes. Yelahu, he was bad offensively. He didn't get much, many minutes. He got five minutes total. Uh, he didn't look terrible. Then Demarion and Lamar each got a minute apiece. Um, but taking this game, taking away from this game, and we're going to have to go to Cincinnati to prove all the points on what I'm saying here. I have a lot more confidence in our depth. I think Lamar's kind of fallen out of the rotation a bit. I really do. I think that today we also went with two bigger type of players, sometimes at a time, than we normally do. Um, I think Lamar's kind of fallen out of that guard rotation a bit. But overall... I think Robert Jennings, what he showed you in Cincinnati shows you that he does have a lot of potential. He's not empty mints. Now, maybe what I was saying a couple weeks ago where can he get you 15, 20 minutes? Maybe that's not him right now. That's probably not him right now. He's probably a 10-minute game player. 
Kyron Lindsay, I thought he was spectacular for you today. Well, maybe not spectacular. He got four fouls in 12 minutes, which tight. But I thought that he was pretty good defensively. There was one play. He had that nice dunk for you that was his only bucket of the game. But there was that one play at the timeout where Grant McCasson gave him a big smile and high five. I will say this. I think that if Kyron stays, that tells you a lot about what culture we're looking at. That he's a young player, didn't get much time, really exiled to the bench for most of the season. Gets some minutes, gets praise when he gets in the game. If he stays, I think that tells you that it's a huge culture shift from the beard Adams era where you're just churning guys nonstop. And it got ridiculous to a point where there were good players that were getting churned out. And I'm not even talking about Terrence Shannon. I'm not talking about Kevin McCore, who choked on Monday, by the way. I'm talking about like the Agbos, the Chuas, the Imbalas, those type of guys that got that got just got churned out after one year. I know Agbo had two years here, but it just got to a ridiculous point where you're recruiting a big every year just knowing that you're going to toss him to the side. I think that if Chiron stays, that says a lot about the culture. But overall, I, I'm not really mad about this game. I didn't expect coming in to win coming into it. And then when Chiron was out, I really didn't expect it. I'm impressed with how this team fought. I mean, you were tied 30 minutes into this game on the road at one of the hottest teams in the country. That is what is just a quick recap of Cincinnati. That last possession was bad. (coughs) Uh, Pop Isaacs, 22 points on the game. He was keeping you alive. He got to the free throw stripe 12 times, hit nine of them. He kept you alive in it. Uh, Kerwin Walton got 12. Warren Washington was not healthy. I don't know if y'all saw, but it looked like he crapped his pants. I'm not one judge. I've done that on date before. Darian Williams got seven points. Joe Toussaint was terrible. Five fouls, two points. But he bounced back against Baylor, which was nice to see. It was the Robert Jennings game, though. 16 minutes, 14 points. Wasn't overly great defensively, but he really kept you in this game in a lot of stretches. Chance McMillan, 28 minutes, 8 points. Uh, Demarion Williams also saw the floor, as did Yelahu. Obviously, Lamar was out for this one. Overall, I think that a lot of people overreacted to this loss. I just want to say that Cincinnati has a lot of size. They have Lakin, they have Lacocious, and they have Bendigo. They have a lot of size. They're a mismatch. They went to Allen Fieldhouse, took it down to the wire after being down early. They took it to the wire in Waco against Baylor. They won in Provo, Utah against BYU after being down double digits at half. I think a lot of people overreacted to that loss. I just want to get that one out there. I think they overreacted. But from a tech perspective, I know it's a three-game losing streak. And I want to call them some nerves here. And no, I'm not saying this is the Final Four team. I'm not saying this is the Elite Eight team. This is not who this team is. When we came into the season, I said, if we can make the tournament, that's a success. Then when Cambridge went down, I said, if we can get to the tournament, that is an amazing coaching job by the staff and a heck of a job by every player. We are 5-4 and four in Big 12 play. 9-9 nine and nine should get you win. You lost three straight games. All competitive that you fought to the end. You lost a home game. It was tough. 
But two of your losses were to ranked opponents on the road. The Final Four team lost three straight games. The Elite Eight team, at the end of the season, lost four straight games. It's going to be okay. This team's okay. They were sick for their home game against Cincinnati, and it was a bad matchup. They were shorthanded against Baylor and fought till the end. They lost a hard-fought game against a very good TCU squad. And you know what they're going to do on Saturday against UCF at home? They're going to win. Then maybe I'm biased, but I think that we're beating Kansas at home as well. I really do. I, I really do. They have five guys you can rely on. Really four and a half, and maybe the half is actually McCole right now. If you saw his stinker up in Manhattan, you're probably going to lose the names. I think you can beat TCU at home. I think you can beat Texas at home. You saw that game against Baylor when we weren't healthy, when we were lose, when we had lost the guy who I said was our most important player all season, Warren Washington, and we hung in that game and were tied after 30 minutes and fought till the end and we're still in that game. We lost by six. You don't think we can beat them when they come to Lubbock if we're healthy? Come on. And then your last three road games at UCF, at West Virginia, at Oklahoma State, I'll tell you what, I think you win four out of your last five home games. And I think that you win, you lose in Ames, then you win two of the three in Orlando, Morgantown, and Stillwater. I think you finish this Big 12 season 11-7, and seven, and you're dancing, probably as a seven seed. Remember... We have been a three seed at 11 and seven in Big 12 play before, back in 2018. This is far from the end of the world to have this three game losing streak. The final four team had it. The Elite Eight team had a four game losing streak. This kind of stuff happens. It happens. This is college basketball. You're in every one of these games. And by the way, this isn't a team built to contend for the Big 12. It's a team that was built to get to the tournament, restore the brand, get back into the tournament, possibly make a run into the second weekend if you get the right matchups. And if you don't, you're probably in trouble. But judging by today, you had bad matchups against Baylor. You had bad matchups against Cincinnati, and you fought to the end. So even if you draw some bad matchups in the first weekend, this is going to be a team that's probably going to be in this game until the end. So... Moving on from that, I want to talk about some things that happened in the crowd today. Against Baylor. They chanted, or they booed Pop Isaacs every time he touched the ball. Now, I talked about Texas and their Arterium Morris stuff and, you know, how there's video evidence of him beating a woman, stayed on the team without punishment, and then their fans boo Pop Isaacs. I just want to state this. There is, I have not seen any evidence against Pop Isaacs. So let's assume, uh, let's get this out in the open, okay? Pop Isaacs was 20 years old at the time of the alleged incident. The girl was 17. Now, if he slept with his teammates, let's be real, let's be mature. If allegedly he slept with his teammate's sister, 
who is still in high school. He's 20. She's 17. Do I think that's a little bit morally wrong? Yes, I, I do. I do. I think most people would agree with me there. I think most people would also say he's 20 years old and one, he's within three years, which is legal in Texas. Two, she was 17, which is the age of consent in the Bahamas, in Texas, the Bahamas where it allegedly happened, Indiana where we've been, um, Oklahoma is 16 where we've been. We have not been anywhere before these allegations where the age of consent is over 17, which allegedly the girl in the incident was. He's also three years older than her. Look, I think it's a little bit morally obtuse. He's 20 years old. He did nothing illegal. Let's go back to these allegations. It's reported in The Athletic. She didn't report it for a month. And it was when he talked about it in the locker room. Still, uh, morally obtuse. He's 20. You can understand that. But not illegal. And then the allegations come out. And the allegations don't just come out. They come out. The day before your conference over opener. And not just that. While you're flying to Austin for your last game ever in Austin. Because there's too soft to play you. And you've owned them quite a bit. They wait for the allegations to come out. Till Friday at like 5pm. Why would they come out Friday at 5pm if you want to make a splash? That's weird. Friday at 5pm is a news dump. Where you want to cover things up. Why would you release that Friday 5pm before the conference opener? Well, 4.40 that day, we did post a picture of us getting on the plane. So maybe they knew we'd be in the air at the time. Not have access to all this fancy stuff you have on the ground with the cell service. Huh. That's suspicious. And then you have, not only that. You have allegedly the father of the girl retweeting Texas Tech Barstool showing shock at the allegations about reading at it. I I don't know about you. If my daughter was raped, and I don't have a daughter, so any fathers out there, feel free to disagree with me. If my daughter was raped, I wouldn't be retweeting tweets about it. I would send my son into the locker room with a bat. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. But you have a situation where Baylor, who has a whole NCAA report, an investigation showing about 52 women raped by over 30 football players and systematically covering it up, and Art Browse, oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hiding behind God Almighty, hiding behind that, covering it up, was employed by Baylor, and then the Baylor student section is booing Pop Isaacs every time he touched the ball. By the way, the Baylor students booing are at an age where, you know what, you chose to go to a school that systematically covered up rape of over 50 women. And you want to boo our player? Because he was accused in a civil suit, not criminal, not criminal, 
a civil suit with no evidence presented that requires no evidence at all of sexual misconduct or raping a woman on a civil suit. And then you chant 17 at him. Look, is it morally obtuse? Yeah. That's also the age of consent, you idiots. I mean, it was just pathetic. Baylor is the last school. The last school that should be chanting out them. And then you have some idiots on Baylor. And I said, look. Booing a kid who's accused of something in a civil suit with no evidence on a he said, she said scenario. Is it while you chose to attend a university that systematically covered up rape of over 50 women because they were good at football? Because the players who were raping girls were good at football, allegedly. Allegedly, on they raped them. I, I don't know the legal stats. Gotta say that. You chose to attend that school. And you want to boo somebody over a civil suit with no evidence. And then he said, she said that anybody, even my dad, when I, I showed him the stuff about it, he's a Texas fan. And he said, oh, that's a load of whatever. Come on. You know what? If we want to go down that uh, route where we just accuse kids of being rapists and label them rapists their entire lives because one person accused them of it. Let's go execute Trevor Bauer. I know that two years later it came out and he was completely innocent. Ruined his career. He's out in Japan right now. Ruined his career. Let's go execute him while we're at it. He was accused of rape. He's guilty too then if we're going to hold Pop Isaacs to that standard. Matareza. You know what? Great punter. Nicknamed the punk god. Career ruined. Career ruined. And then it comes out a year later. Oh, he's completely innocent. It was all BS. He blackballed. But let's go execute him too now. He's a rapist. Let's toss him in prison for the rest of his life. We had this Me Too movement where we said believe all women. And you know what? Sometimes you can't. Because some people are sick and twisted. And it doesn't matter what gender they are. Some people are just sick and twisted. And this one ain't even really the woman doing the accusing. It's the dad who let the girl get in that situation. It's just pathetic to me. Let's be real about this because I also talked to Pop's. I've never talked to him about this, but I've talked to Pop's dad before. I've interviewed him on this show. If you went to the facilities last year and asked about the players on the team, they said most of them are POSs, quite honestly. And if you ask them, oh, who's a nice guy? They would said Pop. <laughs> that that's really what was going on in the facility last year. And now we're going to label this kid a rapist for his entire life. And some people, I know it is not most tech fans. Most tech fans really defend this kid. But there are some tech fans out there who just want to label him that or whatever off of no evidence. Say, well, he did this thing I disagree with. Like they weren't 20 years old and did some stupid crap before. Now, I'm not saying if he raped her, that's stupid crap. That's obviously legal and he should go to prison for it but we have this case with no evidence against a player on our team who's accused of sexual assault with no evidence right now no evidence do we want to label this kid a rapist for his entire life before evidence came out comes out 
Because I'll tell you what, one that hits close to home, Terrence Shannon. Everybody that met him said he's a great guy. He's accused of rape right now. Uh, criminally, criminally. Went in front of the judge saying, look, this has ruined my life. The judge saw enough in that case to say he should still be playing basketball. He should still be playing for Illinois. This is a major thing that could affect his career. He should still be playing allegations. Even a criminal case be damned. Do you really want to toss this kid to the curve because of a civil case? Really? Is that where we're going? Where if you're accused of anything, anything at all, you're automatically guilty and labeled that for the rest of your life? And especially from students that chose to attend a university that was accused of systematically covering up over 50 sexual assaults. Is that where we are now? Where they get a label Pop Isaac's a rapist with no evidence? Is that where we are? Like, honest question. I If, if this case comes out, he deserves prison time. He really does. He should be charged criminally if he actually raped this girl. But I don't know. There's too much. There's too much speculation. I don't know a student body full of students that chose to attend a university, a very overpriced university, that you pay what forty, fifty k a year, spend ha- a quarter million dollars. Had some that Baylor fan who said I was cool with uh, guys raping seventeen year olds in pedophilia, flexing his masters that he probably spent a quarter million on. I spent way less than that. Already have my dream job. I'm 25, uh, so I, I think that says a lot about the university there. You know, it, it's ridiculous. Um, y'all, y'all, y'all are a Christian school that was covering up rape, and then are going chanting that at a 20 year old with no evidence, no evidence at all. It's just pathetic. You know that. They can enjoy their student loans. They probably have mommy and daddy paying for it all anyway. A quarter million dollars for a four-year degree that really doesn't get you a ton. Um, But yeah, go Baylor. Back to basketball. Just looking the rest of the way. I'm going to be honest with y'all. This may be bold. I think we go 4-1 and at home. I think we go 2-2 and on the road. Finish 11-7. I think it's possible we go 5-0 and at home. I don't think we're going to lose to Texas. I don't think we're going to lose to TCU. I don't think we're losing Baylor, Kansas, or UCF at home. We'll probably drop one of those. I think we're losing the names. I think we'll lose one of our three road games in Orlando, Morgantown, and Stillwater, but win two of them. This is a really good basketball team. This is a good basketball team. Now, talent-wise, they're not that they're not overly talented. You don't have a ton of depth. I think you added that with Kyron Lindsay tonight. I think Robert Jennings has shown flashes, flashes, not consistency. I think this is a good basketball team. I think there's really a ton of reason to be excited. Now, moving on to football, we had some drama. Offensive line coach Stephen Hamby's gone. If you want to go look back at stuff on Red Rare Sports about that, you're more than welcome to. Um, it's interesting, but I, I'm just going to say this. We didn't lose an offensive line coach that proved a ton. I I don't want to be mean. He's an alum. He played for us. Whatever. Our offensive line sucked the last two years. I'm more encouraged 
that shows that Joey McGuire is willing to go ahead and make a tough decision. The timing is very strange. We're going to have to wait and see what comes out of this together. I have no inside knowledge on this. Our offensive line sucked the last two years. And I'm putting that... That's not even bluntly. That That's not me saying that we sucked bluntly. The offensive line was hot garbage the last two years. It was. It, it was. And uh, getting rid of him, I know some people think it's weird. Some people think it sucks. Timing's weird, for sure. Um, but... The offensive line was what sucked, not the firing. So we'll see what happens. That's going to do it for this one. I am very sorry about uh, not having a midweek for y'all. I've been moving, finally got all moved in. Um, also expected to do one last night and then got an email saying, oh, by the way, we're having a new CEO after 30 years. So that kind of threw a wrench into a few things. But uh, we'll be back next, well, not next week, we'll yeah, next week. We'll be back after the UCF game. We're going to try to do that Saturday night so it can be up on Sunday for y'all. Preview Kansas a little bit. Uh, just guide on UCF. We should be. We should win. Shut down Jalen Sellers. They have some bigs. Not overly tall bigs, though. Uh, but that's going to do it for this one. I appreciate y'all joining us. If you can, go ahead and leave a rating and review. Uh, it's really... Really, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I do love doing this. Do love talking about Texas Tech sports with y'all. Really appreciate y'all listening. And uh, look forward to a win against UCF. Then we'll talk about our impending win against Kansas after that. That's going to be it for this one. Uh, Wreck them, and let's go beat uh, those folks from Orlando.